Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. If you're interested in crazy stories from the wild world of organized crime, scams, gangs, cartels, mafias, drug dealers, and everything fun like that, have we got a podcast for you. The Underworld Podcast is hosted by two conflict journalists, Danny Gold and Sean Williams, who have reported on all sorts of dangerous people in dangerous places. Every week, they bring you a new episode on international organized crime from a new corner of the globe. You can find the Underworld Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. July 10th, 2001. It's early morning in Washington, D.C., but the summer temperatures are already rising. The humidity off the Potomac River makes the air seem heavy as a wet blanket, but heat isn't the only thing rising right now in D.C. The tension is mounting as well. A dozen reporters keep watch outside the apartment building of California State Representative Gary Condit, waiting in the uncomfortable heat for the briefest glimpse of their top story. As soon as Condit exits his home, reporters pour out of vans, cameras flash, and footage rolls. If Condit's underarms begin to sweat, it's not just the humidity. The media pressure is overwhelming. Although the reporters' rapid-fire questions are impossible to answer individually, there are really only two that matter. Did Condit have an extramarital affair with intern Chandra Levy? And did he have anything to do with her murder? The reporters were right about two things. There had been an affair, and there had been a murder. And if those two threads were connected, it could be the biggest scandal the United States Congress had ever seen. Conspiracy? Maybe. Coincidence? Maybe. Complicated? Absolutely. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, the podcast where we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps us. I'm Carter Roy. I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. 
This is our second and final episode on the conspiracy theories surrounding the murder of Washington, D.C. intern Chandra Levy. According to the official story, Chandra Levy was a 24-year-old intern in Washington, D.C., whose life was brutally cut short by an attacker in Rock Creek Park. She disappeared on May 1st, 2001, just before her scheduled graduation from her master's degree program at the University of Southern California, and was presumed missing until her remains were found over a year later in May of 2002. The months between Chandra Levy's disappearance and the discovery of her remains were the most crucial for investigators. However, as we discussed last episode, those months were overwhelmingly marked by blunder after blunder on the part of the D.C. Metro Police Department. It took until November of 2010 for someone to finally be arrested and charged with Chandra's murder. Undocumented Salvadoran immigrant Ingmar Guandique, who had been previously arrested for two similar attacks against women in Rock Creek Park. After nine long years, the Levies finally had what seemed like an answer to all the questions surrounding the brutal death of their daughter. Putting Ingmar Guandique behind bars wouldn't bring their daughter back, but it would finally put an end to her story. Susan Levy said, The results of the verdict may be guilty, but I have a lifetime sentence of a lost limb missing from our family tree. However, that sense of closure was short-lived. As we mentioned last week, due to a lack of concrete evidence and unreliable testimony, Guandique's sentence was reversed in 2016. And instead of spending his life in prison, Guandique was deported to El Salvador. Which means that, as of this recording, Chandra Levy's murder is still officially unsolved. Still, as you might have guessed, just because a murder case has been left open doesn't mean there aren't some serious conspiracy theories out there that attempt to solve it. Today, we're going to cover three conspiracy theories. First, we'll examine a theory on the motives of Gary Condit, the congressman who came under fire for his relationship with Chandra. Was her death motivated by dirty politics? Next, we'll look into a conspiracy theory about Armando Morales, a gang leader and jailhouse informant whose testimony was crucial to Igmar Guandique's initial conviction. Could he have been paid off to lie under oath? And finally, we'll examine whether or not Chandra Levy's death was part of a larger global conspiracy. Could she have been a pawn in a cloak-and-dagger attack on the United States government? Stay tuned to find out. The theory that most of our listeners might be aware of, as we touched on it briefly in the last episode, is conspiracy theory number one. Congressman Gary Condit either orchestrated Chandra's death or committed the murder himself. Not only was this the prevailing theory in the D.C. Metro Police Department in the summer of 2001, it was the media's focus as well. And, by extension, the favored theory of the media-watching public. And the public was certainly watching closely, even before her death was confirmed by skeletal evidence in May of 2002, onlookers were waiting with bated breath for any news or breaks in the case. The media frenzy surrounding Chandra Levy's disappearance was absolutely the story of the summer. A Gallup poll estimated that 63% of Americans were following the Chandra Levy story during the summer of 2001. During her life, Chandra was known by hundreds of people. After her death, 
She was mourned by millions. All those people needed someone to blame for this bright young woman's disappearance, and fingers quickly pointed towards Gary Condit. So, why Condit? Well, first of all, the possibility of his involvement was first brought to police by Chandra's own parents. Shortly after their daughter's disappearance, they went through her cell phone records and noticed one number in particular came up time and time again. Gary Condit's office. This set off warning bells for the Levies, who believed that Condit may have been their daughter's mysterious politician boyfriend. And as the investigation continued, more and more signs of Condit's involvement seemed to lend credence to the theory that he knew something about Chandra's disappearance, despite his constant denial that he had had anything to do with her. I've been married for, for 34 years, and I've not been a perfect man, and, and I've made mistakes in my life. But out of respect for my family, and out of, uh, out of a request from the Levy family, uh, it's, it's best that I not go into the details of the relationship. That's what Condit said to Sacramento's KOVR 13 TV when asked in the summer of 2001. But no amount of denial would stop the public scrutiny. And as the weeks of the investigation went on, Condit's name became inextricably linked with Chandra Levy's. Let's look at the evidence. Well, every good conspiracy theory comes with at least a small nugget of truth. Most early signs pointed to the affair between Condit and Chandra being genuine. Her mysterious hints about her boyfriend being in a position of power, the constant calls to his office, her friends noting that she received expensive gifts like a thousand dollar a pop tickets to an event after George W. Bush's inauguration with no explanation as to where they came from. As the investigation went on and suspicions were focused on Condit, eventually, real evidence of the affair was uncovered. A pair of black panties were found in Chandra's apartment with traces of semen, and the DNA was a match for Gary Condit's. So they were unquestionably having a sexual affair. That's right. And Condit unquestionably denied it under interrogation from police for two months until he came clean in early July 2001. So, it was reasonable to assume that he might be lying about his knowledge of Chandra's disappearance as well. That's true. But couldn't it have been just as likely that he was trying to save his career and family from accusations of adultery, as misguided as it was? Absolutely. But if that was his intent, it backfired hard. If Condit had admitted to the affair up front and been open with police, it might have taken some of the pressure off him in the coming months. People would still be suspicious, sure, and he almost certainly would have lost his next election and the trust of his wife, but it would have cleared the way for other theories to circulate in the press. And maybe Chandra's body would have been found months sooner. But Condit lost his re-election anyway. Not only did the public associate him with adultery and dishonesty, many still suspected him of murder and conspiracy. That doesn't look good for anyone, let alone a politician constantly in the spotlight. Murderer or not, the investigation was rough on Gary Condit. Reporters were outside his house for weeks trying to film inside his house and dig through his trash. Nothing he did could escape scrutiny. 
With all the attention surrounding him during the investigation, it seems unlikely that any connection he had to Chandra's murder could have gone unnoticed. That's true. Which is why many conspiracists theorize that if Condit wasn't the one who actually killed Chandra, he must have paid someone to do it for him. The nugget of truth behind this theory is that there was no evidence that linked Condit to the crime scene. That's not saying much, considering most of the evidence at Rock Creek Park was found over a year after Chandra's actual murder. True. But this theory most hangs around the supposed political clout that Condit would have had as a politician, and a possibility that he paid the police force to look the other way while he sent a hired thug to attack and kill Chandra. So what this theory is saying is... The multiple mistakes made by the D.C. police during their investigation of Chandra's disappearance weren't actually mistakes at all. That's right. According to this theory, someone, or multiple someones, within the police force was actively sabotaging the investigation. They would have had to corrupt the search history on Chandra's computer, neglect to obtain the security camera footage from her apartment, and direct the search in Rock Creek Park to stick to the paved trails only. Perhaps they even moved some of Chandra's bones to hide them from the first team of forensics investigators. But all of those mistakes were made by different people in the police force. The mishap with Chandra's computer was made by an untrained cadet, but the search of Rock Creek Park was directed by the D.C. chief of police. Right. That's getting a lot of people involved. Who exactly would Condit have had to pay off? And how high up would this conspiracy have to go? Mm, That's a bit less clear. But what we know about the investigation comes from the D.C. police themselves. Perhaps they did actually find evidence that connected Condit to Chandra's death, either on her computer or on the security camera footage, and Condit paid off someone to rewrite the official report. If Condit did pay someone to cover up his involvement in Chandra's death, why didn't he also tell them to cover up evidence of their affair? Mm, There's no good explanation for that either. But the most damning nail in this theory's coffin is that Condit was a congressman from California, not a local politician. Although the right amount of hush money can do wonders in certain situations, It's unlikely that Condit had the necessary illicit connections with D.C. police to pull off such an elaborate cover-up. By 2001, Condit had made a name for himself in Washington as a bit of a renegade Democrat, often voting for conservative measures over his liberal peers. Still, his moderate take on Democratic politics was popular with residents of the Central Valley of California, and he kept his seat with little difficulty for 11 years. Enough time for him to build up enough clout with local D.C. government and the police force to cover up Chandra's death? Maybe, but because he split his time between Washington, D.C. and California, it's unlikely he would have had time to get involved in local politics. He would have had more important issues from his home state of California to worry about during that time. Even assuming that Condit paid someone else to kill Chandra without paying off the entire D.C. police force, why did he choose May of 2001 to do it? She was so close to her college graduation and expected back home in California in just a few days. Shouldn't he have picked a time when her family would be less suspicious of her absence? Well, according to some theorists, it's because Chandra 
was pregnant with Condit's love child. Our story will continue in a moment after the break. And now let's continue the story. Gary Condit's cagey attitude when questioned about his relationship with Chandra Levy, the intern he had an affair with, invited wide suspicion. People thought Chandra's 2001 disappearance and death had to be related to her secret affair. And thus, the conspiracy theory arose that Condit killed Chandra to cover up an unplanned pregnancy. Officially, there was no evidence from Chandra's remains that she was pregnant when she died. Although Chandra's remains were mostly bone by the time she was found, forensic testing found no markers of a pregnancy. You might be thinking, wait, this theory isn't suggesting another dirty payout, is it? But in fact, it is. This theory would only require Condit to pay off his assassin and the medical examiner performing Chandra's autopsy to hide his involvement in her death. It always comes back to hush money, doesn't it? Money can be a powerful motivator. But just as it's unlikely Condit had the connections required to pay off the D.C. police, it's unlikely he knew the medical examiner well enough to risk the cover-up of Chandra's alleged pregnancy. We should also mention here that most of the rumors of Chandra's pregnancy seem to stem from a single tipster early in her disappearance. The anonymous tip claimed that Chandra had died in a botched abortion attempt in Nevada. After her remains were finally discovered, it was clear she had never been to an abortion clinic in Nevada. Still, the misinformation spread and evolved with the case. So unless Condit confronted Chandra at Rock Creek Park himself, killed her in a fit of passion, and took great care to cover up his tracks, there's no way he had a hand in her death. And that theory has its own set of problems, the first of which is that Condit's activities on May 1st, 2001 are well documented. He was seen by multiple staffers in his office, at the gym, at his doctor's office, and later that night at a vote on the House floor. Even then, Vice President Dick Cheney had a meeting with Condit around the time that Chandra is suspected to have arrived at Rock Creek Park. So naturally, if Condit killed Chandra himself and covered his tracks with some phony meetings, this conspiracy would have to go all the way up to the Vice President of the United States. Right. The second problem with this theory is that the evidence doesn't seem to support a spontaneous murder. If you'll remember from last episode, we mentioned that Chandra's sweatpants were tied up in knots when they were found. Although we don't know for sure why that was done, forensic scientists have suggested that Chandra's sweatpants were removed by her killer and used to strangle her. That would also explain why the hyoid bone in her neck was found broken. In that case, the killer would have had to take some time to kill her, taking the steps of subduing Chandra, taking off her sweatpants, knotting them around her neck, and choking her to death. If Condit knew he had to get back to work to establish his alibi, it seems odd that he would have taken such deliberate steps or chosen such a slow method of killing Chandra. So what we're saying is, while the theory of Condit's involvement in Chandra's death isn't entirely impossible, it's highly unlikely. If he really did have a hand in her death, his method was either sloppy and poorly timed or needlessly convoluted. And if he meant to kill Chandra to save his career, 
it ended up doing quite the opposite. On a scale of 1 to 10, we'd have to rate the believability of the Condit theory at around a 4. Of all the possible suspects in the case, he certainly has the most motive for murder and cover-up. But no matter which way you look at it, his method just doesn't make any sense. Logistically, there were too many people involved in the investigation for Condit to pay off, and his timeline for the day of the murder is pretty airtight. And politically, Chandra's death certainly didn't do him any favors. It turns out killing mistresses without political ramifications is a lot harder than House of Cards makes it look. The Condit theory was the one that had the biggest spotlight in the summer of 2001, and in fact is what most people remember about the Chandra Levy case. However, as reporters dug further into Condit's story, his involvement seemed less and less likely. They were forced to confront the fact that their single-minded pursuit of Condit may have let Chandra's real killer go free. So if not Condit, then whom? That was the question police and reporters were forced to ask themselves. For months, there had only been one real suspect, one juicy lead. And after September 11, 2001, and the subsequent war on terror turning the media's attention away from Chandra's story, the police were left with no leads, no evidence, and no public interest in the case. For all the media attention Chandra's case had built up in the summer of 2001, it now seemed that her death might never be solved due to unlucky timing. But the investigation wasn't over just yet. As the attention shifted off of Condit, it became clear that there was one glaringly obvious suspect that the D.C. police initially overlooked. The new suspect was undocumented Salvadoran immigrant Ingmar Guandique. As we discussed last episode, Guandique had a criminal history of assault in Rock Creek Park and was unaccounted for during the time of Chandra's death. His M.O. even seemed to match up perfectly with the story told by Chandra's remains. But his conviction was eventually overturned. Legally, he's innocent of Chandra's murder. Well, on this show, things are never that simple. Back in 2002, Robert Levy testified, oh, she didn't like to go jogging. That wasn't her thing. He says now that she may very well have gone jogging. A quote that he gave to the jury, we were thinking Condit was the guilty one before we knew about this character. And he motioned to Ingmar Guandique, who's the defendant. This brings us to conspiracy theory number two, that Gary Condit framed Igmar Guandique to take the suspicion off himself. Let's look back at the official story for a moment here to get some context. It may have taken nine years of false starts, wild goose chases, and media circuses. But by mid-2010, D.C. police finally believed they had solved the Chandra Levy case. Thanks to early missteps in the investigation, waning public interest in the case, and the passage of time, there wasn't a lot of concrete evidence to go on. However, without another viable lead, Ingmar Guandique still seemed to be the prosecution's best bet for closure in the case. Like Condit, Guandique unfailingly maintained his innocence. But the similarities between his previous attacks on women in Rock Creek Park and the state of Chandra's remains were striking. Still, a few who knew him believed he was entirely innocent. There was even a jailhouse rumor that said Guandique had been paid $25,000 by Gary Condit 
to carry out the murder for him. No real evidence of this rumor ever surfaced, however. But even then, most of the case against Guandique rested on the sole testimony of a star witness, Armando Morales, a career criminal, gang member, jailhouse informant, and Guandique's former cellmate. Morales and Guandique had shared a cell in Kentucky after Guandique was convicted of attacks against unrelated joggers in Rock Creek Park. During that time, Morales testified that Guandique had bragged about getting away with killing Chandra Levy. According to Morales, Guandique hadn't originally intended to kill Chandra. He was planning on attacking her from behind, like he had done with the other joggers, and stealing the fanny pack around her waist. However, Chandra fought back, and Guandique was forced to pull her to the side and strangle her in order to keep her quiet. By the time he realized she was dead, it was already too late. For the jurors listening to Morales' story at Guandique's trial in 2010, this tidy explanation was all they needed. The story made sense. It explained why Guandique would have killed Chandra when his previous modus operandi involved only assault, not murder. It explained why the attack had seemed so random, and most of all, It finally gave closure to a nearly decade-old mystery. But truth is often stranger than fiction. And as we've learned here at Conspiracy Theories, if a story seems too good to be true, that's because it is. Six years after Guandique's conviction, the Chandra Levy case was blown wide open by a strange series of events. In July of 2016, part-time actress and television extra Babs Proler had just been evicted from her home. With nowhere else to stay, she packed her things into a storage unit and moved herself and her dog Buddy into a Maryland hotel until she could find them a permanent place to live. It was there she met a man who called himself Phoenix. Phoenix was kind, friendly, and sympathetic to Proler's plight. What's more, he was great with Buddy, and she eventually trusted Phoenix well enough to look after him while she went out of town. The two struck up a friendship, and that's when things started to go wrong. Phoenix had always been a talkative guy, but it wasn't until Proler got to know him that she began to find out more about her new friend than she really wanted to know. She discovered he had only recently gotten out of jail, where he had spent the last 20 years for gang violence. He also divulged that he had been the star witness in one of the biggest murder trials in D.C. history. That's right. Phoenix was none other than Armando Morales, the informant at Guandique's trial. It was only when Morales started talking openly about his gang-affiliated past that Proler knew she had to do something. Although her previous acting gigs had been small-time at best, she realized now she was in for the role of a lifetime. She began secretly recording her conversations with Morales, hoping to get information that could protect her if her new friend decided to turn on her. She knew now that Morales was a dangerous man and that if she accidentally gave him any hints that she had been recording him, she could wind up dead. So she hid a recording device in her storage unit and invited Morales to help her organize it while she was in between homes. And amazingly, her ploy worked. Not only did Armando Morales divulge information about his criminal past, 
He told Proler that he had hid his status as a habitual jailhouse snitch from lawyers at Guandique's trial. What's more, she began to realize that his story about Guandique didn't add up. The story kept changing. In one conversation, he'd say that Guandique told him he hadn't meant to kill Chandra, only steal her money. In another, Morales said that Guandique had planned the murder and he had gotten away with murdering other women as well. In other words, Morales was a liar. And an unreliable witness. Maybe in another trial, Morales' unreliability wouldn't have mattered much. Forensic evidence could confirm or deny his statements, and other witnesses could back up his story. But Guandique's entire case rested on Morales' testimony. And if he couldn't be trusted, well, what other evidence did the prosecution have? Proler knew this was big. Risking her own life if Morales found out, she turned her recordings into the police. With this new evidence against Morales' credibility, the case against Guandique quickly disintegrated. And with no clear suspect to turn to, Chandra's case was back at square one. Well, maybe not. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to conspiracy theories. While it's true that the evidence police found wasn't enough to make a conviction of Ingmar Guandique, the Armando Morales testimony has opened up some interesting theories about what may have been going on behind the scenes of Chandra Levy's 2001 murder. Although Morales met Guandique in a Kentucky federal penitentiary, he wasn't originally from the East Coast. He was originally a gang leader based out of Fresno, California. So he wasn't from the area. What does that have to do with Chandra? Maybe nothing, but maybe a whole lot. You see, the area around Fresno was within the congressional district that Gary Condit represented, which meant that, at least at one point in the 1990s, Armando Morales could have been one of Gary Condit's constituents. Okay, I'll admit that's a bit of an odd coincidence. And it gets weirder. According to some conspiracy theories, that was more than just a coincidence. These theories assume that Gary Condit killed or orchestrated the killing of Chandra Levy and then used his political power or connections back in his home district to get in contact with a known gang leader in the area, Armando Morales. He then would have used that connection to bribe or blackmail Morales into pointing the finger at Guandique, sealing the innocent man's fate and letting Condit walk away from a murder he masterminded. Even for a cover-up, that seems needlessly complicated. Let's break it down. First, as I said, this theory inherently assumes that Gary Condit had something to do with Chandra's death and wasn't just a man who happened to be committing adultery in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've already discussed why the theory of Condit's involvement is shaky at best. Right. Although he might have had the motive, it just doesn't look like he ever had the opportunity. Next, this theory assumes that Armando Morales actually did live in Condit's congressional district, or at least was notorious enough in the area for Condit to consider getting in contact with him. Our research team here at Conspiracy Theories has not been able to independently confirm either of those two statements. 
Also, for Condit to have come into contact with Morales, he would have either had to have known about him before he was imprisoned or happened to find him after he was locked up with Guandique. If it was the former, Condit would have had to arrange for Morales to be sent off all the way across the country to a Kentucky prison and bunked with Guandique, which would require an extensive circumvention of the justice system and too many bribes to begin counting. If it was the latter, Condit would have had to rely on a very lucky coincidence for his extensive cover-up to even work. With so little real evidence to go on in this case, it seems like people will jump on any connection, even a minor one, to make sense of a senseless tragedy. So how likely would we rate the theory that Gary Condit paid Armando Morales to frame Igmar Guandique for Chandra's death? On a scale of one to 10, I'd give this one a six with some reservations. As we've discussed before, it doesn't seem very likely that Gary Condit actually killed Chandra himself or orchestrated a far-reaching cover-up. But it is possible that he may have known or heard of Armando Morales before Chandra's death. While he may not have been able to bribe all of the DC Metro Police to look the other way while he tampered with evidence, it was certainly within Condit's power to pay off one man to ensure the conviction of the next most likely suspect. Still, it's not a perfect theory, and it doesn't definitively explain who actually killed Chandra in Rock Creek Park. Unfortunately for this theory, we just don't have all the facts to work with here. In most of the conspiracy theories surrounding Chandra Levy's death, Gary Condit is the villain. Either he killed her himself, paid Guandique to kill her for him, or paid Morales to set Guandique up for the crime. But what if Condit wasn't the villain? but rather a target. What if Chandra's death was the cover-up? The last theory we'll uncover today is perhaps the most bizarre of all. Conspiracy theory number three claims that Chandra Levy was an international spy who was killed for knowing too much. According to the theory, between 1999 and 2000, Chandra took a trip to Israel. While there, Chandra Levy was somehow contacted by Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency. She was then recruited to return to America as an Israeli spy and infiltrate high levels of government with her unassuming status as an intern. This already seems pretty implausible. Why would Mossad single out Chandra of all people? What would make them think she would be willing to turn on her country? And more importantly, Why did they think a government intern would be able to access high-level secrets? Well, in the shadowy world of foreign espionage, stranger things have happened. Rather than try and use her own limited security clearance to try and spy on the American government, she was instead supposedly instructed to get close to a politician with some clout and seduce the information out of him. Let me guess, Gary Condit. That's right. Gary Condit was just a pawn in this international spy scheme. This is where things get even weirder. The theory claims that while working for Mossad as a spy in D.C., Chandra stumbled across some larger, vast conspiracy, either through her own investigation or her relationship with Condit. That conspiracy was that the U.S. government knew the 9-11 attacks were going to happen or 
even orchestrated them in order to invade the Middle East. The number of conspiracies surrounding the 9-11 terrorist attacks are numerous enough to merit their own episode, so we won't go much deeper into that aspect here. Suffice it to say that international spy Chandra supposedly uncovered information that was too far over her head. Then, either the CIA discovered what she was up to and tried to have her silently killed, or Mossad got all they needed from her and decided to do away with her as a loose end. I almost hate to ask, but is there any evidence to support this theory? As thrilling as this series of events may sound, and as popular as this theory might be on certain parts of the internet, it really has no footing in actual case evidence. Yes, Chandra did work for the government, and yes, her highly publicized death was a few months before the deadliest terrorist attack on U.S. soil, but that doesn't mean that those two things had anything to do with one another. Our team here at the podcast wasn't even able to independently confirm her trip to Israel, at least not one that fits into the timeline suggested here. And as with any popular theory, you have to consider the source. Most of the information we were able to find on this theory traces back to a highly anti-Semitic website that sought to cast Chandra as part of a Jewish shadow government that has no basis in reality. So where would we rate this one on a scale of one to 10? Is zero an option? Really, although we try to keep an open mind about genuine theories, this one has no basis in fact and even perpetuates dangerous racist stereotypes against Jewish people. We only bring it up because the theory of Chandra as a Mossad agent has gained a lot of traction in certain corners of internet web sleuthing forums. And rest assured, all of our research on the subject has resoundingly discredited any circumstantial evidence, which the original source of the story used to imply Chandra was an international spy. So this theory at least fits into the firmly debunked category. I'm afraid so. But what about the more plausible theories? Do you think there's anything to Gary Condit's involvement in Chandra's death? While he certainly lied about being an adulterer, that doesn't necessarily make him a murderer. The timeline for Condit to have committed the murder himself doesn't work out. And if he was savvy enough to get someone to do the deed for him, he wasn't savvy enough to make himself look completely innocent. While this theory doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny, it does seem to be the most popular, thanks to the inordinate amount of media attention it got. Still, it's more plausible that Condit killed Chandra and covered it up himself, rather than paying Armando Morales to pin the crime on Ingmar Guandique. There are just too many variables Condit himself couldn't possibly have controlled. So what about what used to be the official story? That Ingmar Guandique killed Chandra Levy more or less at random? Well, it certainly does tie up the most loose ends of any other theory, but it's still just as unconfirmed. As of this recording, Guandique has been cleared of his charges regarding Chandra's murder and deported to El Salvador. There's just not enough physical evidence to say for sure that he's the killer. Because of that, we have to believe he's innocent. And that means we have to believe the official story that Chandra Levy's death is a murder case that will remain unsolved, and none of the conspiracies surrounding Gary Condit, Igmar Guandique, or the Mossad are true. Sadly, Chandra's murder case might remain unsolved for good, 
There were just too many mistakes made early on in the investigation for the real killer to be caught and brought to trial. That can be tough to hear for us truth seekers and anyone out there wanting justice for the death of a remarkable young woman. Worst of all, for Chandra's parents. I, mean, I really got excited, but then um, because I wanted arrest, I want the person off the street, and I want justice. But um, at the same time, it, it, it's it's uh, bittersweet. We all want justice, but unless more evidence comes to light. The Chandra Levy case will always be shrouded in mystery and questions that will never be answered. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. If you want to hear more Conspiracy Theories, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. Tell us your favorite Conspiracy Theories on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admar and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by Jordan Lyric and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.